Captain John, this is a very impressive ship, but I want to know, how long have you been captain of the rocket ship? Okay, this is uh, my ninth year captain of the rocket ship, and uh, I've worked uh, all the positions as made uh, to make it to this position, so, um, yeah, nine years. So you've obviously had a lot of experience transporting these very important payloads, such as Atlas boosters. Okay, yeah, that's okay. So you've had a lot of experience transporting these important payloads, such as Atlas boosters and Centaur stages and the like. Is this ship uniquely designed to carry these incredible boosters? It is. Um, a vessel uh, was uh, drawn up by naval architect with uh, shallow water in, in mind, uh, we go places that other commercial vessels of this size cannot go. So uh, we have air draft limitations, um, and then we have uh, wake problems. Uh, so uh, they design the hull that uh, we have minimum effect in uh, shallow water areas. So um, we, um, we make a speed in the inland waters uh, roughly about uh, 10 knots. And um, we have about uh, 1,300 miles of rivers to travel. So there's uh, challenges along the way with high river conditions and low river conditions, uh, heavy currents and uh, no currents. So uh, we always, uh, in these river trips, we have to take these ever-changing circumstances into account uh, part of our passage plan. How do you... How do you account for these river changes? Does that affect when you can go pick up a booster, or uh, do you just have to be real thorough about uh, how you do it? It's, it's, a, it's a very thorough process. Um, we uh, generate uh, roughly about 30, 40 page document of uh, data that we expect from uh, regulatory agencies, from the mariners that ha happen to be out there. They do reporting, it gets put into the local notice to mariners. We'll pull that information uh, and uh, team it up with uh, some expert information that we get from our pilots. We put that into our planning project. We have a uh, meeting with the crew before we sail and uh, we'll literally review 1,300 miles of river before we uh, ever leave the dock. Wow. Well, I guess that's important since you're carrying this incredible, important booster or rocket. Got to make sure it gets there safely. Sure. It's, uh, and we're all aware aboard the uh, rocket ship of uh, how valuable uh, it is to get the uh, flight hardware from Decatur, Alabama, uh, here to Cape Canaveral, Florida. And uh, so part of the passage planning, in, in the end, it we take into account the value of the cargo, what we have. The weather routing is also very important out at sea. Uh, at times we'll have to weather route around a system in order to assure uh, a good ride for the equipment and of course the crew. Well that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean it's the river navigation is very interesting but it seems like weather would play a big role. Have you ever had to divert with payload when there's been say a storm at sea or maybe a hurricane warning? I know you wouldn't go anywhere near a hurricane but you had to account for one maybe. On a, on a number of occasions over the years, uh, we've, uh, well, weather routing ha has become, uh, in the last 20 years, uh, very popular in, in uh, as far as uh, from the Coast Guard standpoint, uh, we have to go to schools and uh, get uh, certification, take uh, weather classes and things like that. Uh, we have a staff meteorologist with our company, and uh, we can uh, consult with the meteorologist 
And of course, uh, everything that NOAA puts out, we can go uh, National Weather Service and uh, pick up information, and we can take a, uh, um, a real-time look on some of the software that we have and place our position, see what the sea state uh, in the wind state's gonna be. So uh, with all the tools that we have, we uh, certainly in the past have had the weather route. Uh, we've uh, had our route uh, very close to where low pressure systems formed into a tropical depression and, and even more. So uh, we, we have uh, to take that into consideration and um, sometimes we'll have to go way out our way just to make sure that we have uh, a sufficient rod. Do you ever weather route, say, to the point where you end up at an exotic tropical location like Cozumel or Jamaica or the Grand Caymans or anything like that? I wish. <laughs> well, I <laughs> but, mean, like, for safety. Well, uh, it, it, seriously, um, we get into the deep part of the Gulf of Mexico and uh, usually um, we, we may just alter out maybe 50 to 100 miles. Mm -hmm. we, we can see things developing. Uh, forecasting is really good compared to 40 years ago. Sure. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, we keep in mind that uh, we're very close to Cuba. If we're weather routing, that we have to keep that in mind. And uh, we, we have to, you know, make sure that we're, you know, keeping a safe space, you know, from Cuba. And, uh, but I, I never yet had to reroute uh, around Cuba, but that is always a possibility. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, part of your experience is if you had to, uh, it might take you extra time, obviously, but you're confident that you and the rocket ship would do well no matter what course you took. We would, and the decision um, would be made uh, with, um, with the weather forecast, consultant a meteorologist, and we have other avenues. Uh, we're not uh, pinned into, you know, landlocking. Mm -hmm. um, th there's other options, and the Yucatan Peninsula is one of the options. You mentioned air draft. What, what do you mean by air draft? Air draft is the vessel from the waterline and above, all the way to its tallest structure. So if we have an ocean mass that's up, and uh, our ocean mast will have uh, lights on it. Uh, we'll have mast with radar on it, things of that nature. Some of our mast we can lower. So we have to take into account that what is left up in its use and to know if we can clear a structure like a bridge. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we have to know that. We have to know our draft in the water to get the answer for what we have out of the water. And is it fair to say that when you're heading up the river to Decatur, uh, you maybe have a, a greater air draft than when you're carrying a heavy payload? That's correct. Uh, at sea, we'll be in an ocean draft mode. Um, so we, we will ride better in the water. Uh, our roll period will be somewhat dampened in rougher seas. When we get to the rivers uh, above Baton Rouge, we'll have to pump ballast water out and uh, we'll get very, very light. So we're getting light in the water with our, our uh, draft, and then we have to take into consideration of what did we just do from the water line up to our tallest structure. So when you're making a trip like this from Decatur to the Cape, what, what do you top at, out at speed-wise? I mean, how, if you open her up, how fast can you go? Well, if we open her up and we're on the rivers in wide open spaces, We'll do 
speed of roughly. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. I know I'm all all my phones are on. Okay. So sorry, my bad. It's but uh, you know the cap. If the captain's phones are on, it doesn't matter. It's okay, right? No, but That's right. He, he turned off like 17 items in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't even turn off. <laughs> but he's not the captain. I'm the captain right now. Blair. So he could have turned off a hundred. It wouldn't matter Blair. unless I. Blair. The captain is always right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So back off of it. He does. <laughs> so I'll start with the speed question again. Is yep. that all right? Okay. So all things considered, when you're going from Decatur to to uh, oh, so considering all that, what this ship can do, what's the top speed you can get to? Okay. Um, Good question, because we'll do a various amount of speeds using the same RPM. Coming down river in the slack water, we could do uh, 12 statute miles per hour. And once we reach the lower Mississippi River, and there's a faster current there, maybe high river conditions, we could be doing 17 statute mile per hour. Mm -hmm. uh, once we get down to uh, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, we're roughly doing about uh, 10, 11 knots. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Is that warp drive or is that just regular? Uh, that's our warp drive. Awesome. That's great. Now, I, another question I had about the about the ship itself. Does your well? No, hang on. Let me ask this. So, as captain of the rocket ship, do you have to think differently based on the type of payload you're carrying, whether it's like a Delta Delta Two or a Delta versus an Atlas or anything of the sort? Yes, we do. Um, the Delta is more robust, and uh, it's a boat down to the deck type of uh, configuration. So um, as opposed to Atlas, Atlas will come on a trailer and we'll have chains. So you do have to take it into account um, the, the method that we're securing uh, the cargo. So it, it does at, at points of time that uh, we, we want to avoid heavy rolling. So we may alter course and uh, point up a little bit into the seas and alter that rolling and dampen it somewhat. So yes, we do have to take that into consideration. Awesome. And, and what's your record uh, on successfully de delivering rockets? Are you like 20 and 0 or? We have a perfect record aboard the rocket ship. Um, just like the flight hardware itself that goes up, we have a perfect record here. and We, we do get the payload here on time. So you're basically undefeated. We are. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Now, I have another question for you. Hold on, and, and follow up with that. And how many of these, because you said yesterday you've done 100 of these. I've done um, at least 100 round trips. Yeah. Um, now, of course, it wasn't all in the early days. It was other, other uh, we did third-party cargo, too. So it's not all yeah, the rockets. Right, we, right. Did, we, we were going to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and we were doing third-party cargo. So yeah. it's not all related to, to yeah. I don't know the right number on it, but I could I could say that if we made voyage number 133, I made half of them. So I, I'd say I did about 70 trips. Yeah. 70 and 0, that's that's almost uh, like that's yeah. top NBA record. That is top, yeah. 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 Sure it is. Slam yeah. dunk. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Awesome. That's, that is quite an impressive record, to be sure. Now, one of the things I'm wondering, uh, you're obviously a gifted captain. I respect what you do very much, but what I want to know, name your top three captains of all time. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, starting with um, Captain Smith at the Titanic. Uh, and there, there's a reason for that because since that episode, more lessons learned were, were from, from that era in that period of time. And um, then, you know, that, that's the beginning. And then um, people I've worked with um, that I take from the other captains I've worked with, it would be Captain Garrett Vogt. He was a tug captain in New Orleans. He's now deceased. But um, the guy had ice water in his veins. And it was really nice to watch him maneuver in even stressful situations and how he handled it. So you can't learn that in a textbook. But when you're in the field and if you have an aspiration to aspire to become something, people like that are very valuable. And then uh, when I came to work here, uh, Captain Tom Morris, he was King's Point graduate, and uh, it was really nice to learn and mentor underneath him. And uh, I think when I, I look, uh, especially at the latter two uh, and how they performed, I think I mirror a lot of things from those two people. Awesome. Give me just a quick reaction. I'm gonna, I'm gonna name some captains and, and you sort of tell me uh, whether they're in the top 10 of all time for you. Mm -hmm. So let's start with um, Captain Antilles. I'm not familiar with him. Star Wars. He, he, he helped the, the, the rebels successfully get off of the planet Hoth, I believe. Okay. Safety-wise, right? Probably pretty good. How about Captain Cook? Captain Cook, uh, rated in the top 10? Yeah, it's your choice. Uh, let's start a little bit later on that. Let's go about number eight. Okay. okay. All right, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, I have to put him in number one. Mm, very, uh, okay. Uh, now that's controversial. Captain Picard. Captain Picard, we're gonna have to put him behind Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk was here first. Mm. Ah, very good. And also now an admiral, I believe, if, 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 if memory serves correctly. All right, how about um, Captain Crunch? Captain Crunch, we don't like Captain Crunch. We'll put him last. <laughs> How about, um, let's see, Captain and Tennille? Captain Tennille, that's in my era, and uh, they certainly belong up there. Okay, and uh, let's try, starting to forget my, Captain Hook? Captain Hook, everybody knows Captain Hook, one of my favorites. Yeah. I see him at Disney, yeah. too. Yeah, now, yeah, and do you have a pet alligator that you keep around to help maintain order on the ship? I wish I did. Uh, I, I could use it sometime to help keep the crew in line, but uh, feel for thought. Speaking of that, one final question, if you don't mind. It's very controversial. The M word. Have you ever had a mutiny? Ah, uh, no, no. It's, it's not allowed. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. As captain, when do you take control of the cargo and what's your responsibility, the responsibility for you and your crew once you have the rocket on board? Once I received the bill of lading and uh, we ramp up and close the cargo bay, uh, we'll uh, check with ULA security and uh, once that we agree that everything's secure, uh, at that point no one can get in there without my permission and when we're at sea to check the cargo. I'm the only person that will go down there and um, I'll make sure that uh, our lashings are, are, are sufficient uh, and I'll do other things like check desiccants of that nature 
And then I control the environmental uh, somewhat, uh, you know, for the cargo bay and, uh, you know, keep a record, a temperature record in the cargo bay. What size crew do you have here on the rocket ship? We have a 16-man uh, crew that's required uh, by, by the billet uh, set by the Coast Guard. And uh, when we're on the rivers, we expand somewhat. We have uh, two river advisors. They basically are uh, towboat pilots that have a heavy tow experience, and uh, they're constantly on the rivers. And uh, some of these guys have 40 and 50 years of experience. So we'll take them aboard and then have an 18-man crew. Uh, once we get to uh, Baton Rouge, if we're southbound, uh, we'll switch up and uh, we'll use the federal pilots uh, to take us the rest of the way down river. We'll discharge the federal pilots out at uh, Southwest Pass, and then uh, me and the crew will take the uh, vessel here to Cape Canaveral. What do you think the chances are that someone like myself uh, could join up with the crew and become like maybe an honorary uh, co-captain or uh, you know, perform some function on the rocket ship? Well, as a captain of the rocket ship, uh, I'm never wrong, and therefore uh, we can make a certificate for you and make because I'm the boss. Tell you that's that's a pretty important friend to have there, uh, Captain John. Thank you so much. All right, we tight. And it wasn't taken to film, Jack. Oh yeah, that's right. And it was, and then yeah, because that's professionally. So yes. How do you get to become captain of a ship like the rocket ship? Well. The kids nowadays, um, most of them uh, go to these maritime colleges and, and come out and um, apply and get a job and, and, as a mate. And uh, from there, you work as a third mate, you get, uh, you're produced for the company, you have evaluations, you pass the next series of tests with the Coast Guard. Once you have that in line, you get to move to second mate, chief mate, which is a very important step because that chief mate, you pretty much uh, actually run the vessel. You have all the responsibilities thrown at you at that point, which preps you to become captain. Generally, the process uh, on the fast track uh, for someone aspiring usually take about maybe eight years, eight to 12 years to get to that position, depending on the openings. For myself, uh, it was quite the uh, long haul on smaller vessels, tugboats, uh, I crossed over in my licensing and uh, had a third mate's license and came to work here. Uh, the forte for me was that I had Z-Drive experience and this vessel had Z-Drive, so I had a, a good foot in the ground to get in and that worked for me. Nice. Z-Drive. I like that. 